Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Everybody's planning to see Seattle's spectacular $100 million World's Fair. So pack up your troubles and forget your cares. Pack up your family and head for the past in Seattle. Welcome to the future and all the wonders of the 21st century in the greatest preview the world has ever seen. Take away a head look at tomorrow, just as if you were there. Rocket ride to Mars in the breathtaking U.S. Science Pavilion. See the fabulous city of tomorrow in the gigantic, wallless, pillarless Coliseum. Have fun with the happy-go-lucky crowds. Pack up your troubles for six wonderful months. Pack up your family and head for the bed. It's the big thrilling adventure of a lifetime. Opening April 21st to October 21st in Seattle. Greetings, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Where we journey into the world with conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our resident historian, Slick Frank Sanders. Hey, yo, I love history, guys. I am a big historical buff. In case you didn't know it, I am Slick Frank Sanders. Top of the morning. Good evening, Mike. Dave, how are you guys doing? Swell. Pretty good. You've been uh, our resident historian before. Have mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have. have I? Yeah. That's why we got to bring it back. Love history. Love history. Love history. Hate the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing we could say about history is that the Boston Bruins made it into the top five uh, worst Boston chokes that could ever have happened in Boston sports history. Whoa. Uh, happy birthday to me. I'm excited about that. Still Very sporting good. it. People will call me a choke artist, but it is for other reasons, is. though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Franco saying that he's a history buff. I see him more of as a, a buff historian, a buff historian, like a buff a, historian. Yeah. Hey, thank you, dude. I appreciate that. I do. <laughs> I, I wouldn't agree, but I'm flattered. Well, some say that demolished landmarks such as the Singer Building. The White House, the old New York Penn Station, now Madison Square Garden, that abomination of a building, or the temporary grounds of the 1893 Chicago World's Fair with a slew of many others were actually structures from a massive worldwide empire centered in Tartary that has since been obliterated from history. There's also speculation that a mud flood wiped away most of the world's people, older structures, as well as infrastructure, and may be regarded as one of the Great Resets. Both the world wars are mentioned as ways Tartaria may have been destroyed and erased from history. But before we rewrite the history books, just want to remind you, as always, to find us on our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter's dying, man. I don't know if that's Elon's fault. I don't know what's going on, man. Like, nobody talks to us on Twitter. I was I, The other day, I was like, man, we should probably just get rid of Twitter. It's that blue check mark. It's getting everybody off. Gotta pay Elon some $8 a month. 
so that we can be verified. (laughs) Hushlings, you don't need to go on Twitter because we have the one-stop shop for the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. HushHushSociety.com. You can find every single episode we drop. You can read some interesting blogs. We'll get back to it. It's been a minute. Sorry, guys. We have merchandise, some brand new stuff coming out that is absolutely ridiculous. And you are going to love it. We love it. And you can see lists from our guests to links to all our social medias and the direct link to our HD video portion that you are watching today. Yes, and that HD video portion that Dave is talking about is, of course, on Rockfin. You can find us at www.rockfin.com slash hushhushsociety. We would really appreciate it if you guys would head on over there, check it out. A lot of work goes on behind the scenes to make the video portion of the show a possibility. So, like, if you if you listen at home while you're cooking dinner or making love, whatever it is, just, you know, throw the podcast up on your TV, open up that web browser, just let it play in the background. It's nice. It's sensual. You'll love it. You'll love it. Everybody loves it. Check it out. We would be so honored to be your background noise during a Netflix and chill. (laughs) Not even background. Just take your partner from behind. Then you guys can both watch the TV in front of you. Oh, my God. Or the computer screen, whatever you're watching us on. It works. And one more thing before we jump into it. Thank you, as always, Hushlings, for leaving us your ratings. But we do implore you. Keep them coming. Give us five stars. Leave us a comment. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and or on our website. You can leave us a rating there. Leave us a little message. Say hello. Tell us where you're checking in from. We like to hear where you're from. All right, Hushlings. What say we get into this conspiracy? It's a big one, so follow along. Since about 2016, conspiracy theories about the supposed lost empire of Tataria have gained popularity on the internet. The conspiracy theory vaguely describes how a supposedly advanced civilization based in what is now Russia, Asia, and even parts of India have reputedly achieved world peace, limitless energy, and high spiritual knowledge and prowess. This theory is based on an alternative view of architectural history, and from the start, a possible skewed perception from cartographers hundreds of years ago, as well as a potluck of other pieces of history. So strap into this one, because it is a smorgasbord of different things. That being said, theorists propose that demolished or old world buildings were actually the buildings from a vast high civilization that was based in Grand Tartary or also Tataria that was erased from history. And around 200 years ago, a flood of biblical proportions of mud destroyed most of their buildings and cities throughout the world and resulted in mass depopulation, which is why most older buildings across have architectural elements like doors, windows, and archways submerged several feet below ground or you know ground level. Uh, just to point something out before we go any further, this is a theory that divides a lot of theorists and a lot of people that look into it. If we miss something, if there's something that isn't mentioned, don't flame us. We have a certain amount of time that we run these shows. We're not trying to spend four hours on Tataria, which we easily could. We're giving you the meat and potatoes. As always, we always implore you to look into more stuff if you are interested. Meat and potatoes is what we like the most. Yeah, this episode originally, I believe our last episode 
we had dropped. We said that we were going to possibly do two episodes on this. Probably not. Sorry if you thought two, but we could do four hours, but we're not gonna. It's a fascinating one that you should definitely look into yourself and take your time with it. There are many photographs from the turn of the 20th century that appear to show deserted city streets in many capital cities across the world. When people do start to appear in the photographs, there is a striking contrast between the horse and buggy dwellers in the muddy streets and the elaborate, highly ornate stone megastructures which tower above the inhabitants of the cities. See, that's an interesting point right there, is why is there this vast difference, and you do see it in photos, especially around the 1800s, of what you would call, like, bustling cities versus really run-down places. Is it just geographical? Have you ever seen that video of the colorized New York City or San Francisco? I think Mm. it's a colorized video of San Francisco. There were people with cars in that video, and then on top of it, there were still horse and buggies. But I guess what it, it would be implying is that these giant skyscrapers that were built between the mid 1800s and the early 1900s were actual architectural remnants, I guess, of this civilization. But it does show that contrast. But we do have those contrasts in in modern cities today, too, where you have people living in tents and people living in skyscrapers. From what I've looked into this, it might not be that much different, even just looking for that as evidence. Very true. You do have the the contrast of living in abundance and fantastic architecture, and then three blocks away is literal squalor, and that's everywhere, and I'm sure it's been happening for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's actually even stated that Napoleon's 1812 invasion of Russia was really a war against Tartaria, and that after the mud flood, the world wars of the 20th century were all actually just excuses to destroy all remaining traces of Tartaria. That's a wild claim. But then don't you think there would be more boots on the ground in America during the world wars? I guess like that would be the later evolution of where this theory goes. From what I picked up on it is that I feel like a lot of this happens in the 1800s, but we don't really have a date, the exact date. There's lots of events in the 1800s that could be this date, or it's just a bunch of series of events that turned into this, which it's still ongoing today. A lot of people will even go as far to being like, well, COVID was a part of this whole conspiracy. Wild. Well, there's the real big flu of 1918, right? True. And then if you look at it, what was before that? Spanish flu. Every hundred years or so, we have a massive pandemic. Who's to say that part of that pandemic wasn't part of what was going on here? Spanish flu could have totally been something very similar. They were working on all that same type of technology at the time. And from what this theory says is that the technology that they had was a lot higher than just coal and steam engines and and whatnot. So these buildings we talk about, they're gilded age styled buildings, and they're often seen around the globe. But allegedly, they're built by the Tartars. Now, these gilded style are actually neoclassical styles, including Gothic Revival, French styles, Italian Renaissance and Roman classical. You've seen these buildings, such as the Capitol Building in the United States, 
where there's domes and even the cathedrals. Rosalind Chapel was mentioned on this and Notre Dame and all these others, which some of them have massive spires and towers, ornate windows, stained glass. Some of them are very geometrical in shape, which actually might have something to do with this. On top of it, there's... I think is the far reaching claim that star forts might've been part of this and even the Egyptian pyramids. I like the take on it when you're talking about cathedrals, because people that talk about Tataria or old times, old technology that we might've had way back, they say that the setup of cathedral windows and the setup of the building architecture of cathedrals is set up to be like energy producing. So that in itself, if you're looking at the way that a lot of these old churches are built and these old buildings are built, if you look at them, a lot of them are set to be that way, kind of almost like primitive Tesla coils, I guess you could say. In the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what evidence is there of this supposed empire? But who destroyed it and what may have destroyed it and why? Why are we being lied to? It's always the question. Tataria took up a vast part of the Eurasian continent, mostly in northern Asia, bounded by the Caspian Sea to the west, the Ural Mountains in the center, and the Pacific Ocean to the east, also bordering the northern portions of China, Persia, and even claims of India, from Poland and Ukraine to the Pacific Ocean. That is massive. It's a big yeah. chunk of land, dude. Yeah, parts of China. We're definitely probably involved in that. It's like a third of the world. Big area. There are claims with this theory that the Tartarian society, technology and architecture made it to other parts of the world, including North America. The Tartary region nowadays extends from central Afghanistan to northern Kazakhstan, as well as areas in present-day Mongolia, China, and the Russian Far East in Chinese Tartary. And those are real spots, too. Like, there's multiple people who call themselves the Tartars still in these areas. And Chinese Tartary is literally described on maps. Both of them, Grand Tartaria or Grand Tartary or whatever they call it on maps. It's definitely there. There's actually census data. I couldn't find the exact data that I found from months and months and months ago that I was looking for, but there's actually census data where you see somebody's name, their age, and then it says Chinese Tartary or something Tartary, like written down, which pretty evident that there was something there. In these areas of the world, are there still like significant amounts of this architecture that's able to be seen or not necessarily like that you see with Tartarian Empire stuff? There's definitely buildings. We'll get into it a little bit more, but one that I can think really offhand, Mike, you know what I'm talking about, the Tower of Man or whatever it is in Balboa Park. All those museums and whatnot are actually that style of what they're talking about. And then you have like the Capitol building. and I'm saying like in where they're saying the modern day Tartars are, is there like a higher concentration of that sort of architecture more so than we see in the US? I think it's across the board. Okay. When you go from that general region that we just spoke of all the way into North America, Europe, South America, it's all over the place. So we have a picture and we're looking of most of Asia. This picture shows most of 
I guess what's called independent tartary in yellow and Chinese tartary in red or violet. And this map was made in 1806. So there's definitely knowledge of these folks. And what's really interesting is because of this map, you can kind of tell that prior to the 18th century, European knowledge of Manchuria, Siberia, Central Asia, all that's on this map was entirely limited. And the entire region was actually dubbed Tartary and its inhabitants were called the Tartars. And the word Tartar itself can actually be traced back to the 13th century in Persia and Turkish regions, meaning mounted messenger. And additionally, Tartar in some unfavorable opinions for some of these prejudices that some people might have had in the East were actually the word Tartar means a hell like place in Greek mythology, which actually brought that on. Like Tartarus. What's astounding about this map to me is that obviously there's nothing like this in the history books. Like we're not learning about this stuff in school. And obviously going by the theory, this was scrubbed from history. So they, they don't want you to learn about this whole entire portion of history. But anybody that wants to research hidden history or something along those lines or just history in general are probably going to come across maps like this and start to question, okay, why, why aren't we being taught this stuff, right? It's like those maps in the 1500s where Antarctica is there. We haven't discovered it until 1820. There's weird stuff. Saucerea foot. Or every cartographer was completely wrong and fanciful, but then in the future, right. Continuing from the 18th into the 19th century, the term Tartar referred to anyone who came from the vast northern and central Asian landmass known as Tartary, a term that was also used to refer to the Mongol Empire. Enlightenment-era writers' depictions of Siberia or Tartary and its inhabitants as barbarous in the 18th century connected into modern ideals of civilization, barbarism, and racism. Yet some saw Tartary as a possible source of spiritual knowledge that modern European society lacked. Bunch of peasants in Western Europe. <laughs> Witch! Burn him at the stake! Do you think the Mongolians just terrorizing and pillaging what we now know to be as Europe. You know, they, they went through China into Europe. Do you think that was all to spread that sort of Tartarian empire or part of some sort of like hidden wars that were going on in history? There's allegedly in this as well is that the Tartars or the Mongolians, whatever they could be, actually built the Great Wall of China to keep the Chinese out of Tataria. Plot twist. Plot twist. What a twist. In Russia, which is known for its nationalism, Tartaria is presented as the real name for Russia, which was maliciously ignored in the West. There's also the claim that the Tartarians were from the Aryan descent. So were they the real OG Russians, the Turkish tribes, or the Mongols? Could they have moved deeper into Southern Asia, the Middle East, even that they, they even had cities in North America before the European conquest and colonization of the Americas. That they were the Aryans? That is, uh, that's pretty wild, actually. Well, one thing that gets me really confused about this whole thing is that, okay, so they're the Mongols, 
They're also allegedly the Russians, which would make sense that Siberian area in Mongolia would mm-hmm. be a similar region. We talked about either pretty much from Ukraine to, you know, the Pacific Ocean. And all, just allegedly, we just said, you know, that they built the Great Wall of China. It's kind of the way the Romans viewed anybody on the other side of the Rhine River. They were Germanic, this whole thing. But the it's kind of all over the place because you're talking about Russians and then you're talking about Aryans, which would be Prussian, which isn't the same as Russian. You have a whole thing. I, this could have been just a massive group of people. But the thing that boasts my questions about all of this theory is so far is that why would we get rid of them? Why are they erased from history? Well, if you look at history and see a massive group of people that was wiped out all at once, then that brings into question the ability for a massive population or a massive civilization to rise again. So if you hide that from the history books, then especially if you're looking at it from the Americas, America's all about suppressing information especially when it comes to history, because they want America to be viewed as the biggest and the best and to not have a history of bloodshed or a history of any kind of disaster happening to them or bringing down the quote-unquote empire. So that's easy for America to do, which made me think of something earlier while you were speaking about the history books and what's taught within Russia or what's taught within Asia entirely about the civilization. Are they taught differently about it than we are? Because we're not taught about it at all, obviously. Or are they learning stuff that we're being suppressed on our side about? Probably. They're probably learning a completely different version of their history than we're, what we're taught. But I'm saying when it comes to Tataria in particular, obviously they're being taught different histories. If the Russians claim to be descendants of the Tatarians or anybody that was in that region. I mean, then I would imagine that they probably are taught that. It also makes me think we mentioned Napoleon, the war of 1812. Was that to wipe them out? And then what about the civil war in the 1800s? What was that really about? Could that have been about something completely different that we don't know? They clearly were indoctrinating people for a very long time throughout not only the 21st, the 20th, the 19th, and probably the 18th century. I mean, I believe the word school actually comes from Prussian, which is pre-German. You know, it's to indoctrinate people into believing in the state. We, that's it's probably a reason why we do the Pledge of Allegiance. Sorry to all those patriots out there, but that's probably a, a big reason why. Well, when it comes to why they would want to hide this, immediately what came to my head was like shadow governments, Illuminati. So quickly, I just looked up like, when did the Rockefellers amass their money? And it's a little bit too late for them to have covered up Tartaria entirely. But when looking at the 10 to 20 wealthiest families in the history of the world, a lot of that wealth was amassed in the late 1700s early 1800s you're talking like 1750 to 1820 which is right about in that timeline where tartaria allegedly came to an end and came to the new world right yeah so maybe it has something to do with that maybe this all just boils down to money somehow i think and we get deeper but i really think this has everything to do with like capitalism yeah 
So quickly, let's go over some examples of maps that we have that Tataria is on, not only from the first map we just talked about. Tataria does indeed show up on maps, and we have some examples. One of the first depictions of Tataria on a map and its description was by Giovanni Botero from his Relatione Universali, circa 1599. And this one's really kind of hard to look at because I don't know Latin. And when you actually look at the whole page of notes, it uh, doesn't appear that I can read that. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure that's in a different language. There's also another example that we have, which is the French cartographer, Jean Baptiste Bourgogne de Anville. I probably fucked that up, but oh, well who created a map of Chinese Tartary in 1734. So I guess I would assume that anybody that didn't live in Europe, this is what they called him. It was a blanket term. Yeah, that, that's just an absolutely massive chunk of the world. Yeah, it's huge. And then finally, we have Tartary by Peter van der, also in the 1700s and 1713. And it looks like it's depicting Siberia, mostly. Yeah, these maps are wild. A lot of these, I would imagine that most people have never seen these maps. And if they did, wouldn't even know what they were looking at. No, you kind of have to have a, probably a general idea of geography to understand some of these. Hmm. Well, now that we've covered the basics and the facts of where and who this great civilization was originally located and the beginnings of the name... Let's first take a look at the architecture, which is the biggest part of this. One of the largest claims to the theory is that there are Gilded Age buildings, as Dave mentioned earlier, all around the world, and specifically in Europe and North American cities that were created by the Tartarians. Some even argue that these magnificent structures were even here before Western Europeans came to North America and that the native populations were actually coexisting to an extent with this higher civilization. The pre-modern buildings that we see are sometimes outlandishly claimed to be more than 1,000 years old. Some quote, the same people that built the Capitol building in Washington built the pyramids in Egypt, according to some researchers. That's a bold claim. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I feel like you're not giving those who built the pyramids enough respect. I feel like you can't compare the two, personally. And honestly, whoever's listening or watching, there's probably examples of these styles of buildings that are in your city that you live in, and you could probably walk by them. You, Especially if you live in a major city or even a smaller-sized city in the United States, you will definitely see these style of buildings. Dude, do a quick Google search of the Capitol building in Budapest just to shout out my Hungarian blood. The Capitol building in Budapest, that is like a primo example of this architecture in my opinion. That shit yep. is wild. So I have a picture with a ton of different areas around the world of the similar type of architecture. You've got Saigon, Seoul, Buenos Aires, Melbourne, Havana, San Jose in South America, Santiago, Chile, Osaka, tons of places with the same type of architecture. One thing that's got me thinking is, was this just maybe the type of architecture that was taught in 
universities at the time. And maybe that's what people were just going for. Because in most cities now, it's kind of, you know, we have skyscrapers. They're either squares or really weird looking buildings. Mike likes spires. Yeah, I was wondering about that too when we're talking about architecture. Like if you look at a lot of this stuff, a lot of archways pop up. But archways are also like a really classical architectural style to do load bearing and also be kind of decorative. I mean, that dates all the way back to like Colosseum, old Greece, all those old massive buildings. Now, are they part of that Tartarian empire also? Are they considered maybe an offshoot of it? Or maybe we're, and this was a thought that I had earlier, is that maybe we're being taught about all these massive empires that existed, these ancient cultures, ancient civilizations that existed hundreds and hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. When in reality, they're all the same civilization. They're all Tartaria. So we're learning about Alexander the Great. We're learning about Napoleon and and Mongolians and all that. But they all belong to Tartaria to further set us away from the idea of there being a Tartaria. So now we've broken up this massive group into these individual groups and and say, hey, look at this empire that they built by themselves when in reality... Tartaria was probably millions and millions and millions of people with a massive army spanning whatever distance. Yeah, there's conflicting claims. A lot of it says that there's the claims we said that they're barbarians or whatnot. But they're also allegedly supposed to be a highly peaceful, highly spiritual civilization. So that would mean maybe they have the ability to to make war. But did they do it? It's really weird because I personally don't think that these buildings are thousands of years old. If you're going to look at like the original Singer building, like we say in New York City, that's definitely not a thousand. It's definitely not a thousand years old. Maybe a lot of these buildings that they built that don't exist anymore that were all similar, like I said, they could have just been the style of time. Like you said, archways is something that's gone on for thousands of years that we've done architecturally. Kind of like how social media is the thing. you got to have that blue check mark on your Instagram or your Twitter. It's kind of the same thing where you're looking at, well, everybody's got to have these style of buildings. Or there could have been a functional purpose to these buildings, which would make me believe why a pissy British empire or European empire would want to wipe somebody out. Because how can you make money off of people that are just freely doing their own thing? And self-sufficient. Yeah. In Britain and Spain. Sorry, guys. You're known for conquesting people and changing history. Especially if it's a group of people, like I said previous, where you're building architecture that is creating its own energy. If it's harvesting electricity or if it's harnessing some sort of energy that's used to power their cities or whatever else they're using, then that is a threat in itself to the rest of the world and to those other countries or nations that want to conquer other people. But to go back to your previous point, they would have to be a massive army. Over a long enough time span, you could say they were a peaceful nation. But in order to bring those nations together, there has to be massive amounts of war. It has to be acquiring land, acquiring people, acquiring whatever it may be, slaves, to build these things, to do the work, and then eventually generations pass, those people become citizens, so on and so forth. You build this massive empire that spans a third of the globe, 
and then it can become peaceful because now we're all one nation. I see where you, you know? get it. But it, but it definitely had to start off with conquering. It had to. It had to. Well, if it was the Mongols originally, then yeah, definitely. All right, you got to think about it. Even if you're talking about modern day or ancient times, doesn't matter. To bring people together, there has to be a mutual beneficial relationship. Yeah, you could bring together this warring tribe and this warring tribe and this country and bring all the leaders together and say, okay, now we're going to make a peaceful state. Okay, well, why are we going to do that? Our army is bigger than all of yours put together. We could just take you out. Or why would we do that? We're self-sufficient. We have all our own food and we live by ourselves and we don't need anybody else. So like you kind of have to if you're going to bring a lot of people together and a lot of different nations from different cultures together, then they all have to get something out of it. It's easier to just amass a massive army, take over another place. Now they become part of you, so on and so forth, like the Roman Empire supposedly did. Are you implying that this whole civilization became one giant civilization that was self-sufficient? and shared amongst each other. Isn't that communism? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty communist. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's maybe, a commune, <laughs> but you know what? It, we're looking at it as like, okay, Karl Marx. Yeah. He, you know, he was a big, big proponent of communism, blah, blah, blah. And you, you attribute that to him, but realistically, like maybe the idea of communism actually came from a nation like this. Could have a nation where, People didn't have to work for money. They don't need money because we're all sharing. We're all part of this massive culture. We're all getting what we need out of it. And then look at the location of it. Where's like the biggest communist countries that exist now? Right where it exists or it's supposed to have existed. Dude, the old two commies, the Tartars. Tartars, all about that red scare. What the hell? So we have a couple more examples of actually buildings that don't exist anymore that are of this, quote, Tatarian Gilded Age style. Uh, there's the Chicago Federal Building, which was actually, I believe, taken down. We have the World's Fairs, which we're going to talk about very shortly. And some other buildings in the late 1800s. You got depictions of Berlin in 1920, Dresden in the 30s. There's even claims that Dresden was actually leveled because it was an actual Tatarian city. And that was the remnants. You think about World War II, cities were just gone. But that could have also, to play devil's advocate, could have just been the brutality of war at that time. Why did they take down the Chicago Federal Building? It's absolutely beautiful. Why, why, why was that taken down? I think it was taken down in like the late 60s. Got to make room for that millennial depression era McDonald's. A question, Hushlings. So far, if you don't have a whole bunch of them. Have you ever seen those half windows in your city or what we call semi-basements? A lot of these structures are also said to be semi-buried. According to supporters of this theory, monuments such as St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow's Red Square extend tens or even hundreds of meters underground. The U.S. Capitol building was seen to have levels underground, which appear to have been exposed at one time. I know of one example of this kind of questioning when it comes to underground buildings or underground cities. 
And the only example that I really have of it is Seattle. Seattle Underground. Yeah. Seattle Underground. But the reasoning behind the Seattle Underground was because the original city of Seattle was built at the wrong elevation. And it flooded, right? And the back pressure from their plumbing was really bad, right? That's something that I had picked up on. It also fl- it flooded in the winter months in Seattle because they didn't take into account the sea level rise during the winter months in Puget Sound. So then it flooded the city. Then what they did was they built a new foundation on top of the old city and then built the new Seattle, the current Seattle, on top of old Seattle. Sounds kind of like a crappy explanation. Sounds like a crappy excuse. It was all part of Tartaria. (laughs) Check out that picture of the Capitol building, though. Yeah, that's interesting. Capitol building one is interesting. Why is it like on stilts? Yeah, I want to ask that question, too. And then uh, this other picture that we have is from a European city. I want to say it's in the Czech Republic or Poland, but tell me that's not sauce did they build a bunker under the capitol building the u.s capitol building right there yeah that might make a little bit sense yeah not not so much as a restoration more of an expansion well when you're you were just talking about why is it on stilts and of course we're going to put this picture up for everyone but if you're looking at this picture i mean it's vastly vacant underneath that building vastly vacant yeah yeah it's empty this picture must have been taken in like either the late 90s or the mid 2000s because that cat excavator that's in it looks yeah, relatively more cool. modern. There's definitely a portion of it, though, where there is a foundation and an extension in the center yeah. underneath the main stairs where all the MAGA people climbed up on January 6th. That's a sketchy setup right there. That thing almost went down. You can't tell me it didn't. <laughs> it looks It looks so fake. It does. It looks very fake, like it's on a set or something. Visually, there's no discrepancies that are telling me it's Photoshop or something. Hushlings, tell us why you think this building is literally standing on nothing. (laughs) There's a void. Yeah. The other picture that we have here is very suspicious because it does look like there's an entire whole construction underneath. But it doesn't look like it's the same type of construction as what's Mm -hmm. on top. It could just be foundation plus basement and sub-basement. If you were to tear away the bottom of the foundation of a building, if you were to clear away the land around the foundation, that's pretty much what it would look like. Because if you're look, what you're looking at right now in this European city picture is like those black spots right there that you see that form walls, those are from concrete forms. So that's like where rebar would go, and that's how you build concrete walls in the ground. Well, yeah, walk by any construction site in a city, and they're four stories down building the foundation out. So a lot of this, I think, is just like if you're looking at it, it's not necessarily that there's buildings underneath. It's just the extension of basements underneath, especially if you're looking at massive buildings. Like what is that building above it? Those are stores, those are shops, whatever it may be. Yeah. Could that also be sewer systems underneath there? Could it also be yeah. power maintenance systems? Like it, it, it could be so many different things under there. It's definitely not another building. If you look, it follows the natural curve of the road above it. It does. So infrastructure is what I would say. 
on top yeah. of basements. Also, you guys can go where you were living right now. You can go see those half windows that you see kind of what you'd say a basement window. A lot of the proponents of this theory think that that's the first level of the building at all times, which is why I think it's kind of far reaching in that aspect. I mean, if you want to get real technical about it, yeah, sure. Basements are the first level of every building that has a basement. <laughs> Mike used to work in construction. Don't test him. He built the World Trade Center twice. <laughs> twice. Oh my God, Two times. goddamn times. He couldn't that even park next to the building. He made. <laughs> that second time, we built the uh, steel frame out of paper. Hushlings, we will return after these brief messages. Greetings, Hushtillians. Join the boys as we travel back to the 1960s again to the San Francisco Bay Area. We investigate and try to cipher cryptograms and messages and solve a series of unsolved murders. With five confirmed dead, two injured survivors, and possibly up to 28 total murdered. We'll delve into the murders themselves, the suspects, the letter sent to the police, and more. On Monday, May 22nd, for our 74th debriefing, we take a stab at another murder mystery. The Zodiac Killer. Hushlings, we'd like to let you know that Rockfin is officially the home of the new Hush Hush Society video content. It is the exclusive home to all of our debriefings, declassified discussions, and all of our video content. It's very easy to go over there, rockfin.com forward slash Hush Hush Society, and you can subscribe to our channel. And be sure to check out our website, the one-stop shop for everything Hush related. There you can find all of our blogs, our audio debriefings, links to our merch, as well as all of our social media links. Lastly, if you love our show and want to support us in becoming a better podcast, look us up on Patreon. We've got a ton of exclusive content over there for only $5 a month. That's www.patreon.com forward slash hush hush society. And as always, Hushlings, we would welcome you to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you're able to leave us a rating, including our website. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. You like the Big E? You guys like the Big E? You guys like fried dough and corn dogs? How about that World Fair, huh? You know what's funny thinking about before you go on with that, about the, the Big E? That is the the Northern States Exposition or the Eastern States Exposition, the World's Fairs were expositions. Huh. Could the Big E be a part of the remnants of Tataria? Well, they do have state buildings there. Mm. The Vermont State House with that maple syrup. Moving on to the World Fairs, some theorists say that the World's Fairs are major evidence of the type of architecture from the civilization. Most of the evidence from these huge construction projects don't exist other than in photos today, leading some to believe that they were deliberately destroyed or erased. The Centennial International Exposition of 1876, which was the first official World's Fair to be held in the United States, was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania from May 10th to November 10th. That is a long event, dude. 
That's a that's a banging fair. Wow. And this was celebrating the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia. They were getting absolutely twisted. Maybe that's where they were building such ornate buildings. They had to be there for months and months and months. <laughs> they had nothing else to do. Well, these buildings actually don't remain due to the simple fact that we were told they weren't built to last. Kind of like NASA with their, we lost everything. Next, there's the World's Columbian Exposition, also known as the Chicago's World Fair. This one's the real popular one. And it was held in 1893 to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the New World in 1492. Rape and pillage, rape and pillage, rape and pillage. Exactly. This exposition covered 690 acres, featuring nearly 200 but then again, temporary buildings of, like we said, neoclassical architecture, canals, lagoons, and over the course of the time that it went on, over 27 million people attended it across 46 countries. And on January 8th, 1894, the entire complex burned to the ground, and only two buildings are still standing, which are the Palace of Fine Arts and the World Congress Auxiliary Building. So if they're still standing... I guess they were built to last. You got to think too, these giant fires that happened like San Francisco and the Boston fires, like these huge fires obliterated these cities. Do you think it was just because they didn't have fucking building codes and it just was rampant fire? Somebody accidentally kicked over their little oil lamp and boom, all of the north end of Boston is gone. Or because buildings were built out of fucking wood and gasoline straw straw <laughs> you know what'll keep that straw in there real good kerosene pack it tight <laughs> no that definitely could play a portion of it no no fire codes no standards of fucking living people are just in squalor shitting in the corner candles everywhere you're bound Methane. for failure yeah it's a recipe for disaster back then in those times frank sounds like he hates people from the 1800s the Panama Pacific International Exposition was a World's Fair held in San Francisco, California in 1915. Its purpose was to celebrate the completion of the Panama Canal, also widely seen in the city as an opportunity to showcase its recovery from the 1906 earthquake. Devastating. The fair was constructed over 636 acres along the northern shore and had roughly 18 million visitors. All were constructed from temporary materials, mostly a combination of plaster and burlap fiber, and almost all the fair's various buildings and attractions were pulled down in late 1915. See, that's what I'm saying. It's built out of wood and asbestos. These gatherings boasted many different exhibits as a way to bring culture, history, and new technology together in one event to people of many backgrounds. Allegedly, these are the remnants of this civilization. Tartaria was a civilization of high technology and high spirituality, known to be connected with the earth and its energies. It has been said that the Tartarians possessed healing bells, those massive bells you see in like church towers, something like that, and they used organ resonance and had thrived off of free energy using the electromagnetic power of the earth. Interestingly enough, scientific research has actually verified the healing power of sonic frequencies. 
this can actually lead us down the rabbit hole of talking about 5G and the 440 hertz of current music, even though some theorists claim that the music of old days of 432 hertz had actual better effects on the human body. Another interesting fact, did you know that red blood cells exposed to classical music had a significantly improved lifespan in comparison with blood cells that sat in silence? Hmm. Mm. Very interesting stuff. I had another thought. Theory. Churches are not actually churches, and they didn't start off as churches. The Catholic Church came in and took them over once Tartaria was gone. All churches, Gothic, cathedral churches, were power cells used in conjunction with sound and the way that they're built to harness power and energy. And then once Tartary was gone, Catholic Church swooped in, took over the buildings. And that's why everybody feels so la-di-da when they go to church and they hear the bells. Because they're getting those frequencies and they're feeling that energy. Maybe God is just energy. The organ. You know? The organ. That's it. There's even claims that the, you know, like you see in some, in front of some cathedrals, they have the circular windows stained glass windows that are almost like mm-hmm. a rose shape is that that's the actual frequency wave. Yep. You know, when you see them put sound on like a, a plate with sand and it yep. makes these different shapes is that that's the frequency of that building. And it was mm-hmm. used to not only, like you said, possibly harness power, but be maybe even a hospital of some sense of healing of, center. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Imagine that. Mike, I like your theory there. I like your theory. That just goes into the suppression of humanity being overtaken by the Catholic Church. You can't put whole entire churches in the catacombs of the Vatican, so why not just spread the love of Catholicism and just take the buildings yourself? That's it. There's probably a deal, you know? A deal was struck. Buy two, get one free. It would be interesting to look into the spread of cathedrals in general for the Catholic Church. So like if you got a list of all the cathedrals, like legit cathedrals, not ones that are built in, you know, the year 2000 or something, but like old site cathedrals, seeing how many of them were supposedly built by the church and in what year. And then you see the overhead view map, and it makes a giant pentagram across the United States. I believe a lot of them are on ley lines, but not even not even where they're built, but mostly when, like when they were built. So if the church went in and said, "Okay, we have five hundred cathedral churches," you know, we're just throwing a number. Obviously, we have five hundred cathedral churches, and then you look at the years that they were built, and it's like four hundred of them were built in the year eighteen hundred. There's a massive uptick in a certain year. That's what I would wonder. Well, that would also pose the question, how did they build these world's fairs so fast? 200 buildings? You know, an Mm. entire city, essentially, on hundreds and hundreds of acres. If they were able to build an entire 200 buildings for some of these world fairs just to tear them down or they burn down or, or whatever it is, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary that the same civilization or the same knowledge from a certain civilization could have built a hundred, two hundred, three hundred cathedrals in ten year span. 
it's tough with the building part of it, how long it takes to build a building. Like if you look at the Empire State Building, that took literally a year to build from start to finish, 1930 to 1931. And that's 102 stories of a skyscraper in the middle of New York. I don't know if it's necessarily impossible to build mass amounts of buildings, especially if you have a really large workforce. But to put that much work into supposed temporary buildings is a whole nother thing. That also brings into question how temporary are these buildings? As we're talking about the buildings from these fairs, some of them are still standing to this day. Another example, I'll bring up Seattle again. Another example is the Space Needle in Seattle. That was part of the Seattle's World Fair. Was it really? Yeah. Even like the gardens around it, all that was built for the World's Fair. And it's still there. Well, Space Needle must have been a more modern construction, right? The Seattle World's Fair was 1962. Okay, that makes sense. So 1962 was the Space Needle to go with the Seattle World's Fair. Are we just talking about the 1800s? When they were having these World's Fair, early 1900s, where they're having these World's Fairs and building these ornate buildings that weren't meant to last. And then later on, World's Fairs built more permanent buildings. But then again, if you're building buildings that are built to be temporary, why would you put so much into them? Yeah, that's the question. To create that awe-inspiring look visually, but still, I don't know. doesn't sit right. Well, getting back to the sound, because our bodies are made of liquid, the beautiful patterns made through the resonance of music and sound create intricate patterns with particles, air, and even healing patterns within us, like Dave was just speaking about. Not all sounds need even to be audible. Simply by being in or near places or objects of noble resonance is enough to receive the amazing properties of subtle waves that contribute to the body's well-being. And we've heard of this theory also being used in the Egyptian pyramids, them being used for sound and levitation homes. One person who lived throughout this time period was Nikola Tesla, and from the 1890s through 1906, he worked on a series of projects as well as numerous inventions trying to develop the transmission of electrical power without wires. It was an expansion of his idea using coils or Tesla coils to transmit power that he had been demonstrating in wireless lighting. A lot of things about these world fairs, too, is that they had lighting, like intricate lighting systems throughout. So it's very it was very glitz and glam. That poses the question, like we said, does that mean that these skyscrapers that we see, you know, like the Empire State Building or the Chrysler Building? or anything that is from some of these pictures that we showed before, they all kind of have like lightning rods or some type of points, many points. Cathedrals have many points. Are these skyscrapers, cathedrals, or any of these buildings, could they be the actual energy harvesting devices? Uh, Even obelisks, does that work the same from this proposed civilization? We do see these on even buildings from the time that are still standing. So it would make sense that a society like our own Currently, the capitalist society we live in would want to actually charge the general population for energy like we do now. You guys deal with it with Eversource. SDG&E out here has turned the same 
type of business plan, which is destroy your customers' uh, financial well-being over free energy. If you have a empire that's out there and they're self-sufficient, like we said before, and they express free energy, you wouldn't have to pay for your internet. You wouldn't have to pay for your power, any of that. And on top of it, you're not feeling like crap because you're in buildings or in places that don't resonate horrible sound waves, which is proven. This theory kind of does, in my eyes, a little bit hold weight in the sense of there must have been a group of people that didn't want people to have this. And that's the biggest portion of weight to this theory. There's lots of far-reaching stuff, but it would make sense with the current Illuminati, NWO, whatever it is, the powers that be. They just did this. They've done this over and over with the pharmaceuticals, food, anything. So why wouldn't they do it with electricity too? They don't want you to know how special you really are. <laughs> it's a spiritual war. Hell was created by divine creator. Hey, boys. Let's get into some mud. How do you feel about mud? Huh? mud. Well, Hushlings, this is where things get a little weird, as if they weren't already. Unfortunately, there is no definitive date that this mud flood happened, yet it's said a mudslide covers the entire planet, killing more than half of all life forms. It's pretty big. It's a lot of mud. Meanwhile, a race of beings, a new, I guess we'll call them the Europeans and Americans, eh? huh? 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 had taken over what remains of Tartaria's great empire, killing all who opposed them, including the native populations as well as giants. Yes. We got some pictures from Reddit. Who is this long-necked motherfucker on the right? <laughs> that is a depiction from the 1800s of the guys on the left. It looks like something out of that movie, The Labyrinth. <laughs> Are those the Tartarians? Allegedly. That picture. Oh, shit. Good thing they got wiped out. <laughs> huge, bro. 12 feet, 10 feet. Tartarians will fuck you up. You also see with this theory that a lot of these buildings have massive doorways. And that's where the giant portion comes into the play of this is that even in buildings in Washington, D.C., where you have these massive 20 foot doors or even the Vatican with these giant doors or that, that these are actually meant to facilitate people that were much taller than us. Bro, look at the doors to cathedrals. Massive. Massive. I feel like that's just like gaudy architecture. It could be. Like just could trying just to look- be extra. Like, even modern architecture, like a millionaire builds a mansion, he's probably making his door massive. There are also examples from all over the world of buildings that have some levels below ground and are covered with mud, sometimes one story, sometimes two, or even more. There are also accounts of people looking bewildered and confused around this time period walking the streets. Where am I? What is all this dirt and mud doing here? This was my home. Where did it go? Why am I on my roof? But the ground is right there. The first picture I found very interesting. It's San Francisco in 1878. And who knows what time this picture was taken. It could have been really early in the morning. But look how developed San Francisco was in 1878. And look how there's no people. Nobody. No cars. No horse and buggies. Nothing. It's probably 3 (laughs) a.m. 
it's 3 a.m. and we can only see like one or two streets. How would they produce a picture at night? Because the moon is obviously a massive light source. Haven't you heard the flat earthers lately? Well, the next picture is actually a town in Germany. I don't know which town it is or city it is, but it does look like that they have significant damage with lots of dirt. Some even say that like the Dust Bowl, the United States was a part of this too, or there was like massive earthquakes that created liquefaction that sank all these buildings. But there's nothing in record books that have any like cataclysmic event that's ever happened. Also, is there anything in like sediment? You would think, right? Or sample like, type stuff. Yeah, like you'd find forks and knives and bottles of <laughs> some original Coca-Cola. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the second picture. Thinking maybe this was like from bombing raids, but all the buildings around it are pretty much fine. It could be. This is why a lot of this is far-reaching. Now, a lot of this, what we're all talking about, this one empire deleting another empire and taking over, is actually claimed to be the fabrications of the beginnings, if not the middle portions, or just a part of this whole thing that we call the Great Reset. And it's said that both World War One and Two are a way that Tataria was actually destroyed and hidden by the extensive bombing campaigns of World War II, which did destroy many historic buildings all over Europe and pretty much leveled cities like Dresden and London, Berlin. All those places were just absolutely fucked. And some proponents claim that Europe destroyed this empire, Western Europe destroyed this empire because they needed to be the only one and the only power, the only might in the region and in the world. And the shoe does fit. See, and that's why the Germans wanted to restore the Aryans, which are the old Tatarians, which is why they were going after the Jews. <laughs> we figured it, it back out. to that list of the top 20 richest families. Uh, well, we can see places like Dresden and the destruction of Berlin, London, and other European cities that were almost completely destroyed or needed full rebuilding, which would usher in a new era of drab architecture. That boring, boring building. Yeah, and now McDonald's that is great. Sad McDonald's, yeah. The sad <laughs> McDonald's. Yeah. So worldwide deluges of mud? How could it have happened? Did someone use unacknowledged energy weapons? And the erasing of an advanced architectural and technological civilization that was far beyond its time? It's very possible. Not, not likely, but it's possible. For a fact, it seemed that floods were actually pretty common in the 19th century, and there is the Great Flood of 1849 in Chicago. Also, the Great Flood of 1862 was the largest flood in recorded history of California, Oregon, and Nevada, inundating the western United States and portions of British Columbia and Mexico. It was preceded by weeks of continuous rains and snows that began in Oregon in November of 1861 and continued into January of 1862. The event actually dumped the equivalent of 10 feet of water in California, which I believe that's like 100 feet of snow, which is would be pretty fucking crazy, in the form of rain and snow over the period of 43 days. 40 days, 40 nights. 
The event was capped by an intense warming that melted the high snowpack, resulting in snow melt flooding valleys that swept away towns, mills, dams, houses, fences, domestic animals, ruined fields, and killed over 4,000 people, which was actually 1% of California's population at the time, and was being described as the worst disaster to ever strike California, costing approximately $100 million in 1861 dollars in damage, which is equal to about $3.1 billion in 2021 dollars, which is, you know, a little less than what we've given Ukraine. <laughs> Damn. Some call this mud flood the, quote, Great Reset. Unlike the biblical flood, though, this was a mud flood, and in its wake, entire Grand Tatarian cities were left entirely or partially buried. We have to remember that this is just the U.S., so what would cause such a global flow of mud is not clarified. Others have suggested that it was the result of a worldwide volcanic event caused by mud volcanoes. Mud volcanoes are real, and instead of producing magma flows, they produce slurries of warm mud. However, they are typically small and do not cause mass destruction. I don't think it was a mud volcano. I don't either. I don't even think it was a worldwide earthquake. Mudcano, what do you think it was? A mudcano? One major problem with this theory, though, is that whether the fall of this alleged civilization was natural or man-made, it could have been energy weapons. If they had the technology at the time, who's to say that another civilization, the one that wiped them out, allegedly, could have taken some of their technology and wiped them out with it themselves? So that's interesting. We still don't really know how a mud flood would even happen, especially in the 1800s with no major records of it other than isolated events. Or who would be pulling the strings to wipe out major groups of people? But we do have our speculations about those people. The entire concept of a massive flood that wipes out a highly spiritual and technologically sophisticated civilization by a faceless adversary raises various questions. For example, why did burying merely the ground levels of buildings cause society to lose its advanced technology? like free wireless energy. Why did it only kill the said giants or Tartarians? What happened to all this muck, and where did it go? Why was Tartaria the only supposed nation that did not survive? Why are so many content creators permitted to openly expose everything if all of the world's governments are colluding to cover it up? But that could be said about literally anything, the government exactly. just lets us spout our conspiracies. Yeah. They don't believe us. Nobody believes us. You guys all believe that Kennedy was killed by one guy. <laughs> but you don't believe in the mud waves. Why not the mud <laughs> waves? All right, Hushlings. It's time to get into our Reddit section. Let's do this. There is a Reddit uh, subreddit called tartaria so you can look that up the user lazy consideration 32 says do you think abraham lincoln actually existed hmm. or do we think he's a fake certainly is convenient to have this widely celebrated president during a time when tartaria would have probably been collapsing or fighting the british empire or something just doesn't add up otherwise i could be convinced but right now i lean that no 
he never existed. Or he was a fucking Tartarian giant because that dude was huge. He was tall. He was a monster. He was like, what, six, eight, something like that. We also stumbled upon a CIA document that was released in 1998 and originally created in 1957. This document can be easily accessed on CIA.gov. It's titled National Cultural Development Under Communism. In a section, it mentions Tartaria. An excerpt states, quote, in other words, Tartar history was to be rewritten. Let us be frank was to be falsified in order to eliminate the references to the great Russian aggressions and to hide the facts of the real center for Tartar-Russian relations. End quote. I think it's a 14-page document. I didn't read the whole thing. But it could just be taking something out of it. And I believe it had something to do with the natural cultural development under communism was to kind of push Muslims out of Russia. Is a very prejudiced document, but mentioning Tartar-Russian relations is interesting. One of the other uh, funny things I found, I found it kind of kind of hilarious, is that a lot of conspiracy theorists that don't agree with this theory call this the QAnon of architecture. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. It's an architectural conspiracy. <laughs> well, because you can get down to the nitty gritty of race and nationality or whatnot with this, and. We didn't go down those rabbit holes. You can if you must, but there's lots of racial things between what people believed these people were and just prejudices on both sides. So it's a cute on of architecture. <laughs> All right, boys. This has been a good one. I like the conversation that we've had on this one. I'm interested in your final thoughts. Dave, final thoughts on Tataria. So I first heard about Tataria with actually one of our guests, Andrew Goff, that we had on uh, a while back. And I had no idea what it was. I looked into it. And at first, I immersed myself with it and dove down those rabbit holes. And I was like, oh, man, this exists. This is crazy. And after doing all the research I've done on it, I don't know. I think there's some things that hold weight. Architecture stuff is interesting. This whole things being buried under the mud is interesting. And a place that clearly is shown on maps is is interesting in census data and CIA documents. But I think there's a lot of mishmash, a lot of different theories, a lot of different ideas that get thrown into this. And it's almost like people are just cherry picking to create a conspiracy in itself. It's a deep one. It's really multifaceted. There's a lot of branches to it, which... In my eyes, uh, could there have been a civilization that had high technology in recent past that was wiped out? High probability. But is it true? Who who knows? I really enjoy this topic because there's a lot that you can kind of dive into and a lot of conclusions that you can draw or uh, supposed theories that just build off of it. So I think it's a really big one. I think if you are interested in Tartaria, please check out our buddy Matt's podcast, The Great Deception, because that man dives into Tartaria and all this very deep. He is very well versed in it and he knows a ton about it. But 
I would say it's like Dave said, it's possible. I think it's kind of weird that they built these massive buildings, especially for the world's fairs to be kind of temporary. Why take that, that amount of time? Even if you are hosting this massive exposition for months on end, you don't need to go that ham on the buildings and all these other things. And there's also these massive statues that existed. There's just a lot to them. Um, that in itself is very intriguing. But as far as buildings existing in America and the architecture of it all, I don't know. You know, it could just be just what's easy to build or what's right to build in certain situation, arches or whatever it may be. Certain shapes really lend themselves well to certain architectures. I would like to go further into it. I think there's more to it. I know there's more to it, but I'm going to go with, I'm 50-50 on it, realistically. Maybe we can have uh, Andrew Goff back on and have him talk about our expertise or have uh, Matt from The Great Deception come on a Declassified Discussions and really dive deep or even add a Patreon episode about some other findings. Slick Frog Sanders, what's your final thought on Tartaria? I definitely find the free energy aspect of Tartaria the most interesting above all else. The architecture itself and its grandiose and exquisiteness I'm not totally taken back by. I find the free energy portion of it interesting. And I I feel like that would be the only reason something like this would be covered up and scrubbed from the history books for. But with that being said... There are hundreds and thousands, if not millions, of architects and engineers across the world, in all countries. And since the creation of time and humanity itself, we've been working with these same materials. And there's only so much that you can do with the building materials that we have. And at some point between the 1800s and now, I feel like somebody, if not a group of people, would have figured out how to access that free energy that the Tartarians allegedly discovered through their architecture in modern day, right? There's only so much you can do with a building and building materials. Like, And I get it. There's technological advancements and humanity is still growing with technology advancements, but I, I feel like it couldn't have been that complicated if they figured out a way to make it a widespread thing building, you know, like we said, hundreds of cathedrals and buildings in the matter of months. It couldn't have been anything out of this world. I do think that at some point there was a Tartarian empire in the continent of Asia. I'm not doubting that whatsoever. I just don't know that it was as widespread as some theorists believe and that they were as advanced as some theorists believe, or even that it was scrubbed from history as some theorists believe. I'm not totally sold on Tartaria. I, I just don't see the evidence necessarily. Well, Hushlings... That is going to bring an end to this debriefing on Tataria. What were your thoughts? Is there anything that we missed? Anything that we should have discussed? Do you know things about Tartaria that we did not mention? Are we sticks in the mud? Did we 
read the maps all wrong, hit us up, reach out to us, email, contact at hushhushsociety.com. And patrons, don't forget, another exclusive debriefing, as always, will be available on Thursday, May 18th, where we take a load off and partake in the Russian sleep experiment with a bunch of interesting Russian scientists. This one's going to be a doozy, and that will only be available on Patreon. And one other thing about Patreon, the boys have been flirting with the ideas of possibly introducing some, not all, but some unedited, raw, raw dog episodes of the Hush Hush Society. So look out for that. There might be some new things. And if you're interested in hearing those raw episodes, become a patron. It's only five bucks a month. You'll love it. It's amazing. It's tremendous. It's like 18 cents a day. Did you tell them about the 18 cents a day? It's 18 cents a day. Makes it sound super duper cheap. That's so much super better. Cheap, so much worth your money. Fractions um, of the cost. <laughs> Fractions. And coming up on Monday, May 22nd, something we're looking forward to, you can travel with us to the Bay Area for another murder mystery as we try to cipher cryptograms and examine the crimes of the unsolved Zodiac Killer. It's going to be it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Hushlings, thank you again for joining us. The Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Sakronk Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight. <laughs>